Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. The fact that Jamie Mendez chose to play football at Kansas State is a minor miracle, but he's from Youngstown, Ohio, the city that provided a football transfusion to Kansas State to help Bill Snyder bring K-State football to life. Youngstown, Ohio's Cardinal Mooney High School is now best known as the high school of the Stoops family, where Ron Stoops coached his sons Bob, Mike, and Mark all became coaches, and when Bob Stoops became a member of Coach Bill Snyder's first coaching staff at K-State, he went back to Youngstown looking for talent. One of the players he convinced to come to Manhattan was Mendez, a slightly undersized safety who played with a great deal of heart. Following the 1988 season, Kansas State football was recognized as the worst program in all of college football and probably in all of college football's history. And President John Weefald faced a decision whether to hire one more coach or shut down the program. He hired Snyder, who hired Stoops, who recruited Mendez, who became one of the greatest players in Kansas State history. By his senior year, Mendez was a consensus All-American who started every game of his four-year career, culminating in the 1993 Copper Bowl, just the school's second bowl game ever and first bowl victory. Mendez still holds K-State's career record with 15 interceptions, including four against Temple in 1992. How meaningful is Mendez in the story of Kansas State football? He was one of the six inaugural members of K-State's Ring of Honor at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. As a member of what Snyder refers to as the foundation, the players that helped turn around K-State football, Mendez played a huge role in remaking Kansas State football forever. Mendez now lives in Los Angeles where he's raising two children and teaching others the wisdom he's found in the martial arts. Now let's give Jamie a call in what is usually sunny California. How you doing, Fitz? I'm good, brother. How are you doing? Hanging in there, my man. Man. I think we're all kind of doing very similar things 
no matter where we are these days, you know? Yeah, but you're in beautiful Los Angeles, so it's different. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I keep hearing. It's <laughs> raining today. What? You know? Yeah, it's uh, raining today. That's this is how I know that we are in strange times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you've been to LA enough times. It never rains in the middle of May. I know. Yeah, so it's, it's raining today, and it's not just a sprinkle. It's it's been raining all morning. That's crazy. Is it really less smoggy out there right now? Oh yeah, that's I mean, crazy. I, I mean, I live out in the northwestern part of the San Fernando Valley, which is the, as far away as you can get to still be considered part of the city. Because um, literally, if you throw a rock, you're in Ventura County from my house. So um, I am out by the mountains where it's a lot clearer. So I tend to be able to see the stars and things here. Yeah. You know, and um, one of the reasons I moved out here. But yeah, even in the city, up until maybe a week or two ago, you could hear the birds all day. You could see clear as the beat. You know, from um, the Hollywood Hills, wherever you work. It's been beautiful. Last week, everybody started going back. You know, the, the traffic started coming back. People started moving around a lot more as we've opened up more and more here. Uh, so, you know, I don't hear the birds anymore. So, <laughs> going back to normal. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it sucks. The pandemic does have its uh, upsides, I guess. I, I read something on uh, weather.com, and it said that due to the fact that Pollution has dropped so much during this pandemic and will remain more clear than usual throughout the summer. We can expect higher temperatures because there won't be the filter of the smog. And I'm thinking, hold on. So our smog is causing global warming, which is heating up the earth. But then we clear the smog out and now it's heating up the earth. We can't win, man. We just we what no matter what we're doing here, we're just messing the things up, but yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's like that um that hole in the ozone layer that closed up and caused that uh that storm that went through the northeast and the midwest yeah. a couple of weeks ago, you know? So yeah, you close up the hole and all of a sudden <laughs> all the cold air comes flying through. So crazy crazy stuff, man. It's it's kind of like life. You can have the best intentions and you still screw things up. Oh, man, I, I do that far too often. Well, uh, I want to start with a, a difficult <laughs> note, um, and because it happened between me asking you to be on this podcast and yep. and Evan Simpson passing away. Man, you guys are too young. I, I'm just a little bit older yeah. than you. You can't be doing this to me, man. I can't have these younger guys dying. Uh, Evan no. was a force of nature, though, wasn't he? Yeah, he First, I want to say, Tim, I, 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 you know, I, I didn't know about your diagnosis until probably when this happened and when oh. you reached out to me. So um, my prayers are with you, man, you. constantly, you know, um, and your family. Uh, my dad is, a, you know, a, a prostate cancer survivor. Oh, wow. My mother is a breast cancer survivor. My grandfather passed cancer. So I know all about, you know, I've seen this firsthand. My my brother-in-law, I watched him pass. You know, I, I so seen this happen to a number of people and Evan, um, you know, has been battling this for a number of years. Uh, he kept it quiet to most people, but some of us knew. And, uh, he just, <laughs> today's the first day I've actually had been in a good mood, you know, cause we've, we've all been mourning, uh, me, all of us. And, uh, and you know, you know, enough of us now, you, you understand how tight we are. Of and, course. um, yeah, it is when one of our brothers goes and, you know, and there's a wife and there's children left behind and uh, young children. Uh, it just, 
it breaks your heart, man. It just, it's just, there's no word for it. We've all cried more times than we could think probably this weekend. You know, uh, we've been on Zoom calls together. We've been on phone calls, text messages, you name it. Just trying to console each other and figure out ways to help Naomi and the kids. But like you said, we've lost way too many guys, and especially in the last couple of years. You know, uh, we had Steve Moulton in the fall. Just had um, Evan now, you know, one of my best friends, Blair Detledge, passed away too soon. Mike Likens, Elijah Alexander. I mean, the list goes on. And it's just, it's, it's, it's troubling. It's very troubling. It really is. Um, Evan is a perfect example of why I've set up my nonprofit to educate men on on prostate cancer and, and getting early detection through PSA tests. They they tell us don't yep. even bother till you're 50, and yet here we are look, talking about a guy like Evan that by the time he was 50 and they, a doctor would have even thought about giving him a test, he was terminal. And Yeah, it was too late. It, this yeah. has got to stop, man. I mean, it's almost like the medical community is saying, ah, guys, you can wait till you're 50 or 55. You're really you're not worth anything better than that. And it's like, that's not how it works with other cancers. That's really not how it works. And, uh, it, the PSA is a blood test. It's easy. It's, you know, if we pressure insurance companies enough, we can get them to, you know, just go ahead and pay for it because of the cost on the back end. If we'd given Evan a test of 45, we probably would have caught something and he'd be with us right now. This shit's got to stop, man. It's got to stop. And, and when you get it young, you get it aggressively. And unfortunately, yeah. uh, when you get it as young as Evan, it is a beast and it's hard to beat. It's not the same prostate cancer you get when you're a 70 year old man. It's a different, no. different animal altogether. Yeah, so. completely. But, but, you know, um, I'll say this, uh, this is the type of just, you know, so people know what type of man Evan Simpson was. Evan told me, I think it was, I don't know, three or four years ago that he had, you know, he had prostate cancer. We were sitting in Manhattan at one of those events we go back to for the summer. And he told me, and we were talking, you know, because I had shared stories about my mom and my grandfather and some other things. Anyways, long story short, my dad, two years ago, is diagnosed with prostate cancer. Mm. You know, and um, first person to reach out to me is Evan. And he's telling me what I should tell my dad and how to get through the process, you know? And I just break down, dude. It was like, cause I just like, dude, you're in the middle of this fight. You are in the middle of, and I know it's aggressive what's happening to you. And you go out of your way to call me and tell me what to say to my father to help him through this process. And it's just, that's the, that's Evan. Right. That's always been Evan. Every time something significant has happened in my life, good, bad, and different. Evan calls me. And now he, I'm not, he's not going to call me anymore. And it's just, it sucks, man. It absolutely sucks. And I've been mad. I've been sad. I've, I, you, I've run the gamut this weekend, Tim. It's right. just been, you know, and I miss my friend a lot. Right. I got, we share, you know. we share a good friend in Al Jones and, and yep. I got the call from Al yesterday. This, we all do it when something like this, you call your brothers and all those around you that you haven't told them you love and you call them up and say that. And he took the time yep. to do that. And that's, that's of great value. Even if you're healthy, you you just need Correct. to hear that. You just got to hear that. And I'm glad we now, yeah. uh, our generation is perfectly comfortable telling our, 
our guy friends. I love you, brother. You know, we're we're yeah. fine with that. We're over that. And maybe that means we're over the other things that go with being the kind of men that maybe our fathers were where they didn't go to the doctor and they didn't they didn't need to go see the doctor. Hey, uh, yep. none of us are tougher than undiagnosed cancer. Period. End of story. No. And no, uh, this, what Evan went through is just horrible. It's horrible because uh, on so many levels, because people hear prostate cancer and they go, ah, that's not that bad. You know, it's prostate yep. cancer. But uh, it, it can be. Um, I'm, I look at stories like this and I realize how blessed I am to be stage four. And what I mean by that is if we had caught it two months later, I'd probably be Evan. And that's how narrow the window was. I mean, it Peace. it was moving so fast, it would have been in my bones by the time. Uh, I had my surgery July 3rd, two years ago, and it would have been in my bones by fall. So, um, yeah, nasty stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry for your loss. He was he was such a good dude. Um, yeah, he was awesome. And, and just, know, a, just uh, a freak of a football player, too. <laughs> you know, I, I just and I'll end it with this on him. Him and I laugh about a couple things constantly, and he always reminds me of this, right? Because he's a couple years older than me, and we're playing. I don't, I don't really remember a lot of football. Well, I, I don't go over a lot of football games, and I don't watch those old things. Or this, but Evan would remind me all the time. He goes, "You still mad at me for launching you into the Colorado bench?" Right? And 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 I laugh every time he says it because we're playing the University of Colorado at home, right? His senior year, my sophomore year, that was the year. We were, we'd gotten pretty decent. We had a, you know, I think we won seven games that season or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, we're playing Colorado the year after they won the national championship. They're at our house, and we're in a really tight game with them, right? We're playing really, really well. And they're running that option, which a lot of people don't even realize today. So I'm basically just a glorified linebacker behind our linebackers. Right. Anyways, I'm going, and I'm getting ready to hit the quarterback. And Evan <laughs> comes running down the line of scrimmage, right? And as I go to hit the quarterback, Evan – decides to just send himself out like a torpedo and he misses the quarterback <laughs> and hit, hits me and he, and he just literally launches me about 10 feet in the air and I land in the Colorado bench and they catch me <laughs> and I get up looking through my ear hole and I'm and I'm saying things I shouldn't be saying you know on this podcast to Evan and, I, and he just gets up and he laughs at me he goes dude I ran down the line of scrimmage. You know how far that is from me? He goes, somebody was going to get it. You just happened to be in the way. <laughs> well, it's not like he could stop. He had to hit something to stop. Uh, That's what he said. He, oh, man. And to this day, we still laugh about that. And, um, you know, well, up until the last time I saw him. That's a but, uh, story. I mean, it was the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. So, ever. <laughs> he, that's how big and strong he was, you know, and quick. So that's what was go. amazing my, about him. My... You'd look at him and you'd think, oh, this guy's useless, but he was so quick. It's like it Super just defied quick. nature. It didn't make sense. Yeah. Now, within about a five yard box, he was as quick as anybody. The only person that I that reminds me of him from a quickness standpoint that played is Tim Colson. But yeah. Tim was a lot smaller. Yeah. But Kevin was that sort of quick, but about another 60 pounds heavier. Yeah. So, like an angry bull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, you went through incredible times at K-State, and you went through stuff that today's players just don't understand. They can't understand because yep. the rules were so different. Uh, I contend yep. Coach Snyder couldn't – uh, he was 
50 years old and arrived at Kansas State or any school and tried to rebuild. He couldn't do it right now the way he did it because he worked you guys so hard. It was almost like you were in perpetual boot camp. Uh, yep. But that's what it took. That's that's how bad it was. That's what it took. So let's go back to the start. 1989, mm-hmm. you're a recruit, um, or 88, depending on when they started talking to you. But, yep. man, I don't know if younger fans realize the big bear hug that we should all give Youngstown, Ohio, for <laughs> I mean, you know the Stoop. We know the Stoops brothers came out of there. Mark Mangino came out of there, but Cardinal Mooney yep. uh, was their school, and yep. they went and found you at Cardinal Mooney and mm-hmm. brought you to Manhattan, Kansas. Take me through that process. How did that? How did you end up in Manhattan? And what the hell were you thinking coming to Kansas State, the worst football program in all of college football? <laughs> that's where ignorant ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> that's uh, that's that's how all that. It's, it was good to be a 17-year-old kid when I was making that decision. Um, well, you know, his, their dad was my high school coach. Right. So Ron Stoops Sr. was my, my high school coach. And I knew um, Bob and Mike and Mark Stoops since I was in junior high. You know, because uh, one thing, I don't know if people in Kansas understand this, but in Ohio, at least back in that time, you could recruit to the Catholic high schools aggressively. So I was being recruited from, and I, and I went to a Catholic junior high. So that was like feeder system. So they would recruit us. So I would get to see these guys all the time, you know, and they played at Iowa. So we, we all were like, Ooh, look, this is Stoops brothers from Iowa, what have you. Um, and anyways, I ended up at Mooney and I would see Bob and, and Mike recruiting guys who were older than me. You know, they'd come in with, I think, I think, um, Bob, maybe was Bob at Kent. I don't remember if Bob was still at Iowa or Kent State. Same with Mike. I think they, they might have still been out. Anyways, they'd come in and recruit guys. So I knew them and we'd talk and this and that. And anyways, by the time my junior year came around, they were talking to me more. I think Mike came from Iowa a couple of times and Bob might have been at Kent State. Anyways, uh, senior year comes and they're both telling me, hey, you should come check out this school or that school or, or, or whatever. But I was, uh, you know, I was bound and determined that I was going to be a Buckeye because, you know, when you grow up in Ohio, right. you want to be a Buckeye. You want to be a Buckeye. So, you know, that was my goal. And then when Ohio State said I was a tweener, that kind of broke my heart. You know, like, you're not big enough. We'll we'll keep you on a, on the back list, that sort of thing. And if somebody else doesn't come through or this or that, then we'll think, you know. Um, so then I opened it up. I started looking at other places. Um, all the Big Ten schools kind of had me in that same boat. You know, well, we like you, but we think you're a little too small or a little too skinny. And then the schools, they were, it was mostly max schools that were after me at that point. But then at the very end, I get a rush from the big schools, including Ohio State. Anyways, in the meantime, Bob is at Kent State and he goes, hey, you should want to come check us out. I was like, Bob, I'm not going to Kent State. You know, if I'm going to stay, if, if I'm going to stay a little, I'm just going to go to Youngstown State because Youngstown State is winning national championships right. left and right. You know, I'll, I'll just do that if I'm going to go small school. I was like, I love you, but. You know, I'll, I'll do that. And then I don't hear from him for a while. Uh, and then all of a sudden he hits me up and he's, it's over Christmas break, I think. Something of that nature. He goes, hey, I'm at Kansas State. And now I just got the job. Uh, I was hoping you still had a, a visit left. And I had one visit left. He goes, uh, I'd like you to come out and check the place out. And my first thing was, where are you? Because I, I had never heard of Kansas State, honestly. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, he goes, Kansas State University. You know, this is before Google and all that other stuff. So I couldn't just look it up. You know, I, I had to actually do some real research um, to find out where what the, I didn't know what the um, the mascot was. Anyways, he gets me to come because I love Bob. I said, Bob, for you, I'll do it. I got one visit left. I think I know what I'm going to do, um, but for you, I'll go. So I went. Nobody was on campus. The place was closed. You know, uh, I went there with four other guys from Youngstown. And that was one of the main reasons I went. I go, worst case, we'll have a good time. You know, so yeah. we all went. And, and, we, and we did have a good time. And uh, I thought the visit was cool. Uh, I met Coach Schneider. And uh, I, I've told this story to everybody. You know, there was nothing there but pictures in the offices. They go, don't look at anything you see here. None of this will be here when you get here. These uniforms won't be here. The, you know, the stadium's going to look different. The, the weight room's going to look different. This whole comp, everything's going to look different. These are the pictures of what we're doing. And me being a naive 17 year old, I was like, sure, all oh, those pictures are awesome. You know, I'm looking at everything. And, and, and one of the cool things I'll never forget is Coach Snyder asked me, he goes, give me your vote. Which, which uniform do you like and which emblem do you like? Wow. And I told him. And he, he wrote that down. He goes, okay, good to know. And I just thought that was awesome. I was like, wow, this guy's asking me what I think. So um, that was the last time that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah, probably so. Probably so. You know, uh, I go home, talk to my parents, and they go, "What do you think?" I go, "You know, I love Bob and and the, and the head coach there. Is, I, I just thought he was a cool guy." I said, "I don't know. Let's let's just see." Anyway, three or four days later, Coach Snyder and Coach Jeeps are in my house. Literally three or four days later, just in my house, putting a full court press on me. And they did that. And my parents still said, I think you should, because Ohio State had come on late, you know, and I had Youngstown State and I had Vanderbilt. Uh, I can't remember who else was, was on there at the time. But, uh, you know, I, I, all of a sudden at the very end, some division power five schools came on board. And uh, so I was playing with those options. But then I just went to bed one night and I said, you know, I love Bob. I think he's going to get some other guys from Youngstown to come. Wolford, Dabney, Tetledge, you know, Marlowe. I was like, I think I'm going to go. And then here was the, the, the kicker that a lot of people don't really know. Carl Polini was my position coach at, at Cardinal Mooney. Crazy. He calls me and he goes, hey, I just got the GA job with Bob. And I was like, done deal. It's like, I'm, I was like, I'm going to Kansas State. I got my position coach from high school. I got Bob, who I trust, and I got all these other guys from Youngstown coming. So that was it. That's that was great. it. And everybody thought I was absolutely insane. You were. Yeah, everybody's like, you got to be kidding me. You, you, we'll, we'll never hear from you again. Or oh, the other thing was, you're going to transfer. You'll be back in six months. You're going to transfer out of there. Right. You know, and that was it. That's the story. That's how I got there. You go through that redshirt year, man, and they win one freaking game, but. For the school, for the program, it was like winning the Super Bowl. Um, yep. Are, are you beginning to question your decision during that year, or do you see what's happening around you? Oh, no. I was packed up and ready to go after, like, the fourth game. Yeah. You know, me and Wolford had a plan. We had it figured out. We're such idiots. <laughs> we're, like, we're just going to sneak away at night. Nobody will know. And by the time they try and find us, we'll already be back home. You know? And... Of course, they found out, and, and this is before all the technology. So, I'm convinced that that Coach Schneider had us plugged somehow. You know, I, I just <laughs> how they how they knew. So Bob comes to me, right? He sits me down. He goes, "Hey, I need to talk to you." Go, all right, what's up? And he just 
leaves me the riot act. This is after a practice. I don't know what was wrong. You know, he called me every name in the book. You ain't going anywhere. I put my my reputation on the line for you guys. And he goes, and, I'm t- and we already talked to Wolford. We basically ratted each other out. <laughs> you know, it, was like, it was his idea. No, it was his idea. Anyways, the coup was crushed rather quickly, you know. And then uh, he goes, trust me. He goes, this year is going to suck. You could play right now. And I asked you if you wanted to play and if the other guys. And, and he goes, I just thought it was best that you don't play. And so we didn't. He goes, but I promise you. Once this season is over with, you're going to see a a, a drastic change. And so, you know, we just trusted in that. And we saw the improvement happening, even though we were getting our butts handed to us on a weekly basis. You know, we could see that things were slowly changing. We were more competitive in games. It's just what I think for me was the the biggest shock was is that I was so naive. I didn't know we were that bad. No, it's bad. And I also thought that we were good enough, the guys coming in, Oh, yeah, we could fix this, you know? Yeah. So that's what we thought. And you did. Um, You did. It just couldn't happen when you're a true freshman. Right. Didn't happen when we were a true freshman. Exactly. And and I think that that was the right decision not to play us, you know, um, because honestly, and nothing against those guys, the day we all walked on campus, we were better than all those people. Right. You know, so, um, but uh, those guys deserved to play it out and, 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 you know, they've been there forever and fighting through the trenches, and they deserved it. Coach knew that recruiting's like putting money in the bank, and you got to let it gain some interest before you withdraw it. And that's exactly how he treated you guys. You were money in the bank, and he wasn't going to start really doing something with you until your second year when you'd kind of learned how to acclimate to college and the demands of college football, which were incredible. And, uh, it paid off. I mean, sure enough, yep. uh, you 1990, the program started to turn the corner and the climb began. And it was a remarkable yep. climb over the course of your career. Correct. People ask me all the time, knowing what I know now, would I have done anything different? Absolutely not. It was the best decision for me at that time. And I walk around here in Los Angeles with pride constantly in gray and purple or white and purple. For me, it's just this huge, huge honor you know to be part of what we did there because it's never it was it hadn't been done before and it'll never be done again because of now because of all the rules the way the rules are set up you know so uh, to say that we were there and we started this thing and and every time i go back and look at that place you know i'm so proud of my teammates and what we did because like this we were a year or two away from either losing football or ending up in the MVC, you know. Yeah, exactly. And now look at and now look at this place. You know, it incredible. just looks like a yeah. It's incredible. It looks incredible. Did you vote on the winning p- version of the PowerCat? Because some of those the losing versions, when you look at them now, if you are lucky enough to see them, you kind of go, "Oh my God, what were they thinking with that one?" Because the PowerCat <laughs> is so iconic now. It's just so into yeah, our brains. Yeah. I don't know if you remember which one you voted on, but... Uh, that- yeah, I do remember the one I voted on. And it's not... It's, it's the one that was a little... It's similar, but it was a little rounder. This one, you know, has it has a lot... The edges are harder yeah, on this yeah. one. The, the one I voted for, just it had softer edges, but very similar. Uh, it seems like they had one that uh, where it's cut off and back, it actually swooshed backwards. So I don't know. I don't, I don't remember that one. I, I just remember the one I, I, I when I saw the, what we ended up with. I, oh, that's close to what I what I was yeah. going with. You know, the artist Tom Bookwalter did a marvelous job, and he was trying to you know kind of get the Iowa thing going, but with a wildcat. And 
he just he nailed it. But I remember yeah. when people first saw it and changed to it, they were like, "Oh, this thing sucks." You know what is right, this thing? Of course. Oh, this thing's horrible. And within a year or two, every car in the state of Kansas seemed to have that on the front of their car. Yep, it was just now everywhere. it's everywhere in Kansas. It's everywhere. It's absolutely incredible. It's amazing what that emblem came to represent. And and honestly, we had I'd, I'd be interested to get your take on this. We had a little controversy this year. They finally went to an alternate helmet, and they, yep. they brought back the cat script from that '88 helmet that had been discarded. Yep. With the power cat, what was your feelings about that? You know, honestly, I didn't, I didn't feel any anything about it. Yeah. Uh, I look at it as because you know I'm, I'm I'm a business owner, so I, I looked at it as they were trying to market something right. and add additional additional revenue. And they did to, to the school. That's literally how I look at it. Because from a business perspective, you know, I said, that's what they're doing. That's what I see here. I didn't like it. I, I don't really like the way it looks. However, I get it. I know why they're doing it. Yeah. And that was it. I never, I never gave it another thought. I'm, uh, I'm decidedly pro power cat as the mark, but I also accept the fact that you need additional marks for marketing and revenue. I just didn't want that mark. I didn't want that one brought back because of what it represented, the pre-Snyder. Yeah. Literally, you mentioned it, either give up football, move to the Missouri Valley. That's what it represents to me, not what became K-State football. Anyhow. I see it from a, a, a kid from Kansas who followed Kansas State athletics. I get it from that perspective. Me being an outsider coming in, I was, I was ignorant towards that. Right. So even now seeing it, I mean, I'd seen it in some pictures, but I couldn't remember. I was like, is that the one right before us? Or was that two before us when I looked at it? You know, so I'll be honest. And that, that's just me being ignorant towards it. But I get it. When you say it from that perspective, I understand it a lot more. That like, yeah, I probably would have picked a different one too, you know. Because the there's a lot of different ones you could have picked. Yeah. End of the day, it doesn't matter. And really, at the end of the day, it only mattered because K-State football has been successful. I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, exactly. without the power cat and the success, nobody would even cared about going back to that that helmet in the nope. first place. Not at all. Now that the success that we've had, uh, I venture to say next year when football season comes about, you're going to see some other alternate yeah. uniforms that people are probably going to get a little upset about. Sure. So sure. we'll see what happens. You got it. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. How the heck did you get into martial arts? 
Oh man, I've been honestly as a kid, my dad. Oh, okay. I didn't really talk about it a lot when I was at school. No. I just I, I didn't want to get into it. But um, I started at six years old in Aikido with my dad because my dad was an Aikido guy and a karate guy and all that type of stuff when I was a kid. So I did that for a number of years and then I boxed. Um, and I only stopped that when I got to high school because uh, they said, hey, you, you got a chance to play football, kid, and go to college for free. So maybe you should get away from martial arts. So I, I, I put it on hold. You know, it's the first sports. So I, and then college, obviously, and after college, um, I just kind of went away from it there for that decade and then came back to it because it was, for me, it was a way, it was a form of discipline at a very young age that I really gravitated towards. Yeah. And um, I always felt centered and peaceful there amongst all the, the chaos that it, that it can sometimes be for people, especially as people perceive it from the outside. But for me, it was always a place of calm and quiet and, and discipline. And it always just helped me come back to where I felt safe. And as I got older, I, I gravitated towards it even more because I am a very competitive person. Yeah. So I wanted to continue to do those sorts of things and compete and learn and then teach. And it's consuming me now as you go into the rest of my life outside of my family and my business. Well, it is my business now. You know, I own, I own the school. I bought the school I trained at. So it's become everything about what I do other than being a dad and those sorts of things, you know? So I love it. It's, I could talk about, I can nerd out on martial arts him all day long, way more than football, believe it or not. <laughs> well, well, educate me. What, what is your area of, are you still a keto uh, and you're what level of black belt are you? I'm a black belt in jujitsu. Okay. Uh, first degree. Uh, I am a uh, black, what you would call a black, black Brigitte in Muay Thai, uh, which is uh uh, a form of kickboxing. Yeah. So those are the ones that I'm considered what you would call professor level on at this time. Yeah, man, it's just been part of my life forever, you know, and now there's nothing more that I enjoy than teaching my students and watching them grow as people. And I also live by this mantra. If you follow any of my social media, it's all about family. Right. And you know exactly where that comes from, yep. you know? So it says when you walk into our school, it, it, right into the Academy, it says, we're a family, not a gym. That's the difference. You know, and we, we, we live by that credo. And I tell people all the time, you come here, a lot of people that walk in our doors come here because they're, they're, they're searching for something. Very rarely does somebody come in my door and say, I want to learn to fight. And typically when they do, I tell them we're not. The yeah. You know, I said, we are is a family that helps each other get through the good times, the bad times and celebrates with each other and, cries with each other and all those other things. And I said, and learning how to defend yourself and fight is just a, uh, a, a symptom of that, right. of what we do on a regular basis. That's how I see the place. And I just, there's a lot of people in this city that come here, you know, from other places. This is basically a transplant city. You know, yeah. the over 50% of the people here aren't from here. So people come here and it's a tough place to be. It's a, it's, I love this city. I know a lot of people say a, a lot of bad things about Los Angeles. I love it. I love it here. You know, and, and I tell people all the time, it's not for everybody. And I and I don't try to change anybody's opinions on that. However, when people come here that, that want to try and make it here, I think it's my job to try and help some of those people. Now, am I going to be able to help them all? No, but those who walk through our doors, I think I'm going to be able to show them something, give them some self-confidence, help them reassure how they feel about some things that they're doing, 
teach them some self-defense, some other things, and, and give them a sense of community and family. That's what we try to do because it's so hard to find that when you come out here all by yourself. Plus, the martial arts kept the signature abs of yours. That's good. <laughs> well, it definitely has kept me in shape. Man. You know, I have to. These, these youngsters, all of my students, well, not all of them, a lot of my younger students, you know, I'm now a target. They go, well, we're going to get we're going to get the old guy. You know? And so I, I'm just trying to keep up with them and have them not embarrass me at this point. Good luck. So. Good luck. It'll eventually yeah, catch up. I mean, uh, Father Time is undefeated. You know that, right? <laughs> it's truth. Yeah. It is the truth. Mm-hmm. A little more on your playing career. Four interceptions in one game your junior year against Temple. Break that down. How the hell does that even happen? How do they even throw the ball at you after two interceptions? I don't understand. I was at the game. I was covering the game. I still can't no. grasp the game, how it all took place. Well, you know. I had a conversation with the quarterback prior to the game. There, there might, have, there may or may not have been an exchange, you know. So I mean, that's a joke, <laughs> but I, I tell people that all the time. Um, you know, honestly, that's not even how we game plan for them. The scouting report didn't say these things that they were going to try and wing the ball all over the place because the kid who was playing quarterback, I can't remember the name, the, the young man's name. Well, he's not young; he's same age as me, but I, I can't remember the guy's name. But uh, he was more of a runner. You know, that was it. Oh, they're going to run the option. They're going to do this. And we were ready for all, all that type of stuff. And he goes, oh, and then they're going to spread it out. And they're going to chuck it deep a couple times. So I remember Bob telling me, Jay, there's going to be a couple opportunities for you. So just be ready. Like, okay, no worries. I'm going to sit back in my spot. And, you know, the first one, he threw it up there. And I just sit in center field. It was a pretty easy play. You know, he's like, okay, I'm and it wasn't as bad a pass as everybody thought. The first one, it was pretty decent. I just happened to be in position. And then the second one, I was like, oh, okay. yeah." Uh, uh. And then it just, you know, that snowball effect. I don't know if he just kept, if he thought to himself, well, screw this. I'm going to get this guy. He already got me once or twice. I'm going to get him. And you know, I don't know if that's what he started thinking or whatever, but he just kept throwing the ball to the guy I was covering. <laughs> Um, and I, I mean, and, and I don't know if you know, know this or not. I dropped one. Oh, I forgot that. At the end, there's, he throws a post route again at the end, and I only get one hand on it. I would have had five. Oh no! Yeah, I, I missed one. So uh, it was. Uh, is that, he was just chucking them up. That's human nature, right there. You had an absolutely historic, memorable game of four, and you're like, I could add five. Man. Yep, could have five, man. Yeah, that's what I think by all the time. I would have I wouldn't have tied that record. I would have it would have I would have you know, it would have been all mine. Yeah. You know, all but myself. But um the most interesting thing about that whole story with that from that game is my parents. My parents, you know, from Young Center Ohio, both my, my dad worked for General Motors and my mother was a, a Spanish teacher. Right. So they would pack up the family on Friday night and drive 14, 15 hours to Manhattan to watch me play on Saturdays, right? Yeah. And then go back home to, to have my brothers back in school and both my parents back at work Monday morning. Crazy. crazy. Anyways, they came to every home game. They didn't miss any game except one. No. That was a the game they missed. No way. That was the one game my parents missed. And it was because my brother... Uh, 
some one of my brothers had some big deal going on in in, in their sports in, in, in football for him, and I, and my parents called me and they apologized profusely, saying we're not going to be able to make it. I'm so sorry. Like, hey, no worries. You guys are here every week. No problem. I go. It's, and I said to them something to the effect, you know, we're playing Temple. It's not a conference game. It's still non-conference. No, no big deal. And then they call me Sunday morning because again, back then things didn't happen, you know, right. as fast as they did. And the news hadn't given them the score and Kansas state wasn't a score that everybody looked for back then anyway. So they were waiting to hear from me. So they called me Sunday morning. Like, hey, I know you won. How, how'd you play? Right. And I just sat there and I paused for a second. I said, I had a pretty decent game. Right. <laughs> I was like, we won. Then my dad, my dad would always go through it with me. He's like, okay, so give me, tell me what happened. How many tackles, this and that. And I told him, I forget how many tackles. I was like, yeah, I had how many tackles. He goes, did you have any pass breakups? I was like, yeah, I had one. Da, 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 da. He goes, did we get a pick? You know? And I just started laughing. And he goes, you got a pick? I go, yep. And then, and then I just, I'm kind of, you know, playing coy. And he goes, right. did you get more, more than one? And I said, yeah. And so I tell him, and all of a sudden, I just, it's just silent on the other end of the phone. You know? And my dad being my dad, and he's one of my best friends in the whole world, you know, we, we're super tight. He just started crying. That's and awesome. He, and, then, and then I hear my mom come on the phone, and she's like, what's wrong? And she goes to me, what did you do to your dad? I didn't do anything. And she asked him, and he goes, he got four interceptions. And my dad... All he said to me was, I'm sorry. Oh, that's that's awesome. You know, that was, and he just, I'm so sorry. You know, that was that story. And then I would joke with him after the fact. I go, you guys should stay home more often. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, um, they didn't. They started coming back. You taught them. Oh, yeah. They, they never missed the game after that. You know, that was the one. All that work, all that amazing progress for the program. The fans are ecstatic that you're going five, seven wins, and then 93 rolls around. And you guys, the program erupted. It really did. I mean, it wasn't like you snuck into the nine wins. You guys beat some serious teams and had some nice victories and honestly deserved better than the Copper Bowl, but it all worked out exactly like it needed to work out, and you won that game, and it was almost like a storybook ending to a career, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was fantastic. Copper Bowl was for our fans. That's where we needed to end up. Right. If we were, if we would have went to Hawaii, we would have had a fantastic time. But our fan base would have suffered. They wouldn't. We wouldn't have had as many fans be there. You know. Um, and I think the other option. I can't remember where our other option was, but I don't think it was as close uh, where it was going to make it uh, easy for our fan base to travel. I don't remember what the other option was. But yeah, so ending after the Copper Bowl, I think we were we felt a little bit slighted at, at, at the time that it happened because of where we sat in the standings. But uh, it worked out exactly like you said, perfect for for what we needed. And then we had that purple wave of twenty whatever thousand people come. It was that was the beginning of what all bowl people know now: Kansas State travels. Yeah, incredible. I was in a caravan going down. I was actually going to cover the game, but I I drove with friends and my wife and. Uh, and then just to see the the sea of purple, you were just in total disbelief. We we grew used to it. We we learned that this is what K State fans do. If you are within striking distance, I couldn't go to Hawaii the next year. But you know, right. and then when it was San Diego, they they found a way out there, and it just over and over it happened again and again. 
But that was the first time we had never seen it and was like, this is freaking unbelievable. A whole fan base just moved to Arizona for a game, basically. It was mm-hmm. it was absolutely incredible, and everyone associated with the program was just stunned by what happened. It was humbling for us, you know. When uh, I bet to see it, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, you know, that's just that's all because Snyder and right and the whole coaching the whole coaching staff. I, I, um, you know, because you've been around, the, you've been there since the beginning. You've seen everything that's happened. <laughs> that coaching staff mm. was elite. Amazing. That 93 coaching staff, I mean, it, all of those coaching staffs, what, what Coach Snyder was able to put together was incredible. It was a heist, man. He He's the best salesman ever back in the day. The players that he was able to get to change their minds and the coaches that he was able to get at that time, it's just, it was ridiculous. So, you know, I, all those guys played a huge part for us. That coaching staff made us feel almost invincible. And I know a lot of people think, you know, well, how dare these guys think they could win some of these games? I'll go back to 91, Tim. We honestly thought we were going to win the Big A championship. Right. In 91. And we were, if, if you really do the numbers, we got screwed at Oklahoma. Yep. Right? We had Colorado beat. We just we just couldn't win a couple plays here. That's when Evan knocked me out of, you know, knocked me into the crowd that game. And and we go to Nebraska and and the same thing scare the living hell out of them. The, the, we, there's that one phantom pass interference call. There's the guy that puts the, uh, his his coat over the clock, and we get a penalty for that. You know, and we miss a field goal. Yep. We we are literally three or four plays away from playing in the Orange Bowl in 1991. So we had a lot of confidence, and then we had the, the bump in '92, and that just that was the first time I realized that the quarterback position is the most important position in football. And I just choked on my spit as I just said that to you right now. <laughs> but I realized that in the quarter, if you get, if you have a good quarterback, you win. If you don't, you lose, you know, nine and a half times out of 10. And just to show you how big quarterback play was because 92 and 93 aren't that different. The, the difference is the quarterback. Right. I remember seeing an early pass from Chad May and it was a helicopter. It was going doing revolutions tail to tail. And I was like, yep. what the hell was that? Right. But he yeah. was a bulldog. He was, he, yes, he made was. plays. He got hit. He threw it. He threw it all over Nebraska up there. He just, he threw it on anyone. And this is what young fans really don't get. Bill Snyder was running the spread before the spread was even a thing. It was mm-hmm. not quarterback run tons of option in the open field. If he ran the option, it was at the mouth of the end zone right there to score. He threw it yep. with five wide all over everyone, and no one knew what the hell to do against it. They couldn't stop it. He was so before his time with that. And then people caught up to it and he goes, ah, screw it. I'll do this now. I'll, yep. I'll start running Michael yep. Bishop and the quarterbacks all over and over, and you can't stop that. Just a genius. And now the whole, and then the whole country started doing that. You know? Yep. Wildcat is a wildcat for a reason. I tell people all the time, I was like, you know, that started at Kansas State. Oh, no, it didn't. I was like, okay, whatever you want to believe, buddy. I was like, I, I'm fine. I don't need to argue that point with people. I, he, he was a genius, man. You know, he was just a genius. Yep. Incredible. Incredible. That playbook, I'm sure you've seen it now. That, that playbook is ridiculous. Our offensive playbook just doesn't make sense. There's so much stuff in there. I know. Well, that playbook back then, I mean, I know they're doing things differently now, but yeah. Oh, it was. It was. As brilliant as he was at coaching offensive football, and and I 
still contend this. I wish we could get him together with Bob Stoops to do master class courses on offensive and defensive football. He was he was the best coach of coaches that I've ever seen. He could take a young coach and turn them into a great coach by saying, here's how you do it. And even if you need to change it to fit your style and your system and your personality, here's the structure. And it paid off for Stoops. It paid off for Levitt. Paid off for Mangino over and over and over again. He put it on paper how to do it. And he made yeah. these guys incredible football coaches, but he identified talent and developed it, whether it was coaches or players. Exactly. He was he was a great evaluator of talent. Uh, it, was, it was amazing what he could see, you know. Um, I mean, my praise for that man could go on and on forever. I love him. And every time I see him, we have the best time together. He was well, well ahead of his time. That is, that is for sure. You know, and we were so lucky, all of us that are a part of that were, were that were or are a part of that program to have crossed his path. Right. I, I, I firmly believe that. How often do you make it back to games? I try to get back every year, at least once. Okay. Um, this last season was the first season in a while I didn't get back. Interesting. That, uh, yeah, and it was it had nothing to do with the coach. Right. I I was completely fine with all that. It just you know I I have my academy and I also have another business. I just got stuck. Right. You know I, I was I got I had a really busy schedule last fall and um, I just couldn't make it. I kept thinking I was going to get to a game and I would tell you oh I, I might be able to make this one and it just didn't happen. But yeah, I try once or twice a year and then I usually go back for um, in the spring. You know because I'm part of the the. Uh, the Snyder Fellows group right. there, so I go, I get back for that every year. And then I try to get back for uh, the Wildcat Charity event in the summer. So I'm usually there three times a year. Usually, yeah, yeah it, it fluctuates. Every, like last year, I was I was there in the spring and the summer, but I missed the football season. But uh, but again, it had nothing to do with coach, so it just couldn't make. I actually wanted to see what they were doing. Well, you'll notice uh, the fans have a spring in their step again. It's been good. Yeah. It's been good. And it we just kinda needed to freshen up the the program and um people kinda got I don't wanna say it be harshly, but they kinda got bored, you know? The uniqueness, the festival feeling around K State football had lessened slowly, slowly and slowly, and then until last year you didn't really realize it done it. Then you saw the fans are like Oh, we're engaged again. This is interesting. Let's see what happens. And it was fun. I mean, then they turned around and went yeah. to games, and I mean, it was it was really nice. It was it was good. But I guess where I was going with this is when you step in that stadium and see your name up there on the edge of that, that dude, that's just incredible. That's incredible to have your name up on the stadium like that. Yeah, it's a. Uh, you can, I really can't put that into words, you know. Um, and hell, I. It's been up there for a long time now, <laughs> but um, it just means uh, you're old. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the, you know when it when it really really struck me was um, two seasons ago. Um, the first time I took my son back to a game where he really kind of understood. Right. Uh, I I I, I, t- I took him back when I was inducted into the K-State Hall of Fame in 2013, but he was a baby. He was, you know, a year and a half old or something like that. Anyways, we go back two years ago, and he's six. Coach Snyder's last year, and um, 
he sees that and he looks up and I, and it wasn't me telling him to look up, but he looks up, he goes, daddy, that's, that's your name. Why is your name there? And man, hmm. that's when I just, and to me, I'm, a, I'm an emotional dude. I cry a lot. You know, so <laughs> I just, I was like, I started crying and he's like, what's wrong, dad? And I was like, nothing, baby. It's like nothing. I was like, thank you for noticing that. And then all of a sudden my friends who are with me go, oh, you don't know about your dad. Cause I don't talk about it a lot. You know, right. let's show you. So they start walking around the stadium and they take him to everywhere where I am. You know, they take him to the circle. They take him to the back over there where they have the pictures of the guys that are in the ring of honor and all this other stuff. And my son is just, wow, that's my daddy. You know, and that, that was it for me, man. That was all the fans. It's great when people still notice and pay attention, but that was everything for me. That's and, um, beautiful. That's what it's about. Man. Yes. Yeah. So he took a picture, my buddy, Corey Ramsey, who um, he didn't play football, but he's a good friend of mine. We went to school together there. Uh, we were staying with his family. Uh, he takes Varl right underneath where that, that picture is down on the, on the field. Yeah. And he has him point, point up. And he, and he takes this cool picture and my son's wearing my Jersey, you know, and he's pointing up and there's the, my name and all that above. And Corey took that picture for me and sent it to me. Nice. And there's no picture that I have of anything to do with my K-State days. that means more to me than that picture. Well, daddy's 10 yeah. years away from being a recruit. So you better get him ready. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's eight now. Goodness gracious, man. Time flies. It's incredible. Jamie, great talking yeah, to you, man. man. It's been it's awesome catching up. That flew by. That was that was the fastest fifty minutes of conversation I've had doing these, and these are a lot of fun. I'm I'm so sorry for your loss. I, I this just sucks, man. I, I you know, I I've had a number of fraternity brothers that have had it now and we've we've dodged the bullet, so to speak. Evan deserved better than this. And uh we need to we need to fight for for our lives. Yeah. So take care. Well, we brother. appreciate it. Yeah, bet. We appreciate it a lot, man. And um, thank you for even talking about him on this and know that, as I said, you're in my prayers, buddy. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you. Okay. When I come up there in the fall. All right. So you got my number. Let me know when you're in town. I will. Okay, brother. Thank Talk you. to you later. There have been a lot of great safeties in K-State football history, but in my opinion, Jamie Mendez was the best and it's not even close. And the idea that another member of the foundation, Evan Simpson, passed from prostate cancer at age 50 after years of battling PCA only underscores why I keep pleading with men over 45 to go get their PSA, the prostate-specific antigen tested. If you were a man who was in high school or older when Bill Snyder arrived at Kansas State and you don't know your PSA, go get it scored to help detect the possibility of emerging prostate cancer. And all of you, all of those players who were part of the foundation, the group of players who forever changed K-State football, honor Evan by making sure you too know your PSA score. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.